Well, it's almost a new year, a time when we are eagerly anticipating and looking forward to the things to come. We are looking forward to change that's going to happen in our lives. But what do we do with the rest of 2018? What do we do with the rest of this year? Many of us are getting in our indulgences. We're, we're taking in, you know, the fatty foods that we love to eat, the sweets that we love to eat. We're wasting our time, you know, just hanging out, doing absolutely nothing, um, watching TV, hanging out on Facebook. But we say, man, there's a big change coming. It's happening on Tuesday, and my whole life is going to change. I've got all of these New Year's resolutions and I'm going to start eating the right way. I'm going to start eating healthy food. I'm no longer just going to be slothful and laying around the house watching TV. I'm, my life is going to change. I'm going to exercise. You know, I've got a reading plan that's going to start January 1st. And I'm going to start reading the Bible next year. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. But for these next few days, you know, I can do whatever I want to. And it's sad, but it's true. But that's the way many of us live our Christian lives. We look at eternal life as something that's going to happen in the future. It's not something that we already possess today. We live our lives today like who we used to be. Sinful people who, who feel like that we can live any way that we want to. Or we try to live good lives, but we don't understand the power and the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we need to come to that understanding and realize who we are. As believers, we've been raised up with Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And one day we're going to be revealed with Him. But how we're going to be revealed with Him is based on how we live our lives here and now today. So we need to start seeking the things above where Christ is seated. We need to set our minds on the things above. We need to realize that we've died to the power of sin and we're alive with Christ in God. And that one day when that revelation happens, when Jesus Christ comes back to get us, we want to be living in such a way that when Jesus calls our name, there's no big change because we are changing, we're conforming to the image of Jesus Christ in the life that we're living this morning. So this morning in our passage, we're going to change our focus from the new year to the new life that we already possessed and getting ready for the day when Jesus Christ comes back and calls our name. So let's begin by getting an overview and a flow of what we're going to be seeing this morning. First, we're going to see that as believers in Christ, we are with Christ, seated at the right hand of God with Him. But then we're going to see what are we to be doing experientially. Positionally, we are there, but experientially, we are here on this earth and we are to be seeking the things above, where Christ is, where we are, where we are going. We're to have our minds set on the things above, the spiritual things, the eternal things, rather than the temporal, physical things of this life. Why? Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. We've died to the power of sin, so we don't need to live like who we used to be. We need to live out the new life with Christ in God. And then finally, we're going to see that one day our life is going to be revealed. And on that day our life is revealed, we want there to be no big change. We want to already be like Christ in the life that we are living experientially here on this earth. 
So let's begin by flowing into our passage. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. He's writing in approximately 60 AD from prison in Rome. And the reason that he's writing this letter is to let these believers know that they have everything that they need in Christ. That Christ is the one who created all things and he created all things for himself and for his glory and that they have everything that they need in him. He died and rose again for them, taking care of their sin debt that they owed. That the Christian life is not religious rules by keeping some laws and living out a religious life. It's about a relationship that Jesus Christ died and rose again to have with each and every one of them. And we can make application in our lives. He's been giving them these theological truths in chapters 1 and 2. And then in chapter 3, he begins his practical application of the book. And he starts it off with a summary statement. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So, therefore is a summary statement. Therefore, because of all the theological truths that I've given you, now here's what you need to be doing. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, and that's a first class if in the Greek, it can be translated, therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, and we have, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we've been raised up with Christ, we are positionally with him, and therefore, since we've been raised up with Christ, what are we to be doing? And the first thing that we see that we are to be doing is to be seeking the things above where Christ is. We're to be seeking the things above where Christ is. We're to be seeking the person of Jesus Christ. In verse 4, we're going to see that we're going to be revealed with him. So we need to be seeking now the person we're going to be revealed with. Linda Randall, she sings a song, and the chorus of this song, I really love it. It says, One day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. Are we living our lives in such a way that we are growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ? Are we seeking the things above where Christ is seated? Are we doing as Romans 8:29 tells us to do? Are we being conformed to the image of Christ? I love what Jesus says in John 10:10. 10, 10. He says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You understand what he's talking about? He's saying, I came that they may have life, eternal life, but that you may have it abundantly, that you may understand that you have eternal life at the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, that you may live it out here on this earth, not waiting till the day that you die. Eternal life is not something that we get in the future. It's something we possess at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. Eternal life is not something we get in the future. It's an eternal relationship that begins with Jesus Christ and with God the Father at the moment we put our faith in him and in him alone. So we need to be living for him. We need to be seeking the things above where Christ is seated. So how do we do that? We start off by having a quiet time. We, we've been talking about prayer and quiet time um, in grow groups on Sunday morning. We need to have a quiet time. We need to have a time that we get alone with God and that we converse with him. 
We need to be reading his word. We need to be meditating on his word. We need to be memorizing his word. We need to be digging out these things that are in God's word, studying it. Because why? Because that shows who the person of Jesus Christ is. It shows the character of God. It shows what we are to be like in our lives. And ultimately, if we are doing these things, we'll be applying his word to our lives. Because whenever we are there and we're getting all this information, we need to be applying it, making a change in our lives. It's not by just coming to church for an hour or two a week and sitting in your chair and saying, man, I'm just, you know, I'm a religious person. I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I, you know, I love Christ and, and I love the life that I live for him. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship that Christ died to have with you and with me. You know, we throw around that phrase a lot of times. You know, I'm dying to do this. I'm dying to do that. We had some relatives coming in from Boise. We haven't seen them for a couple of years. They came in for the Boise State um, football game this year. And as, they, as we were eagerly anticipating them coming, you know, I was like, man, I'm dying to see them. It's been two years since we've seen them. Man, I'm so excited for them to get here. You know what? That's what Jesus Christ did for us. He's not just saying, man, I'm dying to be with these people. He literally went to the cross of Calvary and poured out his blood for you and for me. Not so that we could have eternal life and be with him sometime in the future, but so that we could live out in this life, eternal life, and be with him today. We've got to get on fire for Jesus Christ. You can make a determination. You can make all of the New Year's resolutions that you want to. But until you understand what Jesus Christ did for you, how much he loved you, that he was willing to die and to rise again just to have a relationship with you, that's when your life will change. That's when you'll understand that seeking the things above where Christ is seated, setting your minds on the things above rather than the things of earth really matter. So we need to be dying for the relationship of Jesus Christ. We need to be dying to ourselves, offering our lives as a living sacrifice. When we spend time with Christ, when we spend time in his word, doing all of those things, then we'll become more and more like him. Because as I said, his word is powerful. It never comes back void. It always accomplishes his purpose. You know, I remember my mom telling me something whenever I was a child. She said, you become like those you hang out with. So choose your friends wisely. Do we see Jesus Christ and God the Father as our friends? Do we see Jesus as one who sticks closer than a brother? Or do we see him as something distant, something mystical, something that we're going, someone we're going to be with in the future? He's not someone that we're going to be with in the future. He's someone who is in us right now. Someone that we are with in God right now. And so we need to live out our relationship with Christ. That's why Christ died for us, so that he could have an eternal relationship with us. But you know what many people do? They think about prayer and Bible study, and they say, man, that's hard. You just told me that I need to be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, what does this verse say? That Christ is seated. I'll just be like him. I'll just stay seated. On Sunday morning, I'll come in and take my seat and I'll sing a few songs and I'll sit in my seat and let you tell me or JB tell me or whoever's up there to tell me what the Bible's about. I'll keep my seat when people are speaking out against Christianity. 
I'll just keep my seat. I'll just keep quiet. You know, Jesus is seated up there. I'll keep my seat whenever I see my friends and, and loved ones who are in need. I'll keep my seat whenever I see friends and loved ones who are around me who are lost, who have no eternal life, who are living for nothing but what this life has to offer. I'm just going to keep my seat. I'm going to keep quiet. I'm not going to do what Christ left me here to do. But that's why he is keeping his seat. He is waiting for us to do our jobs as evangelists and disciple makers. He is waiting for us because he desires that no one perish but come to the knowledge of the truth. He has left us here with a purpose to make disciples. That's why he's seated. But even though he is seated, that doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. He's working on our behalf each and every day. He is our intercessor. He is our go-between between us and the Heavenly Father. Romans 8, 34 says, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. He always, he is constantly going between us and the Father, making our requests to God to line up with the will of God and our will to line up together. And he always lives to make intercession. You see, he's not dead. He's not someone who's out there in the future. He is alive and he is constantly making intercession, going between us and the Father, always lives to make intercession for us. He's also our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, as 1 John talks about. He is the one who is our defense attorney. When Satan tries to say, look at this poor, wretched person that is out there, he says, no, he's not poor and wretched. He is perfectly righteous because I took his sins and I bore them in my body I paid the debt that he couldn't afford to pay so that he could be with you, Father. The debt is paid. He is our advocate. He is our go-between. He is seated, though, waiting on us to do our jobs as evangelists, as disciple-makers. It is his desire that no one perish but come to the knowledge of truth. So we need to get out of our seats. We need to do the work of a Bible student. We need to get into God's Word and study the truths that are there so that whenever we talk to people, we'll be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us, yet with gentleness and reverence. We need to do the work of an evangelist sharing the good news message of Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross paying for sin, how he arose from the grave conquering death, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here today and you've never heard that message, you've never heard what Jesus Christ did for you, and how he desires to have a relationship with you. And he was willingly went to the cross of Calvary and died for you. And how he arose from the grave conquering death. And how you can have eternal life by simply believing in him. Right where you're sitting you can believe in him. And he offers you as a gift everlasting life. It's nothing that you have done or doing or will do that will save you. That will get you eternal life. It's all in what Jesus Christ did. He made the way of salvation available. We need to take that message and share it with other people. We need to be growing the believers who are around us, teaching them the deeper things of God's Word so they can know it, 
make application in their lives and pass it on as well. So the first thing we've seen this morning is that we've been raised up with Christ. And so since we've been raised up with Christ, we need to be seeking the things above where Christ is. We're to be living out heaven here on earth. Positionally, we are there with him. Experientially, we are here on this earth. And one day, we're going to be with him, both in experience and position. So let's get ready for it even today by seeking the things above. In verse 2, he goes on and says a similar thing with a negative and a positive aspect. In verse 2, he says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So we're to set our minds on the things of Above, that's the positive. Not on the things of earth, that is the negative. The things above are eternal. They're spiritual things. The things below are physical. They're temporal things. You know, Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What do we think is worthy of praise? We think athletes that do great things are worthy of praise. We think actors are worthy of praise. You know what? This world is so messed up. They think people that do things completely contrary to the world, to the Bible, are worthy of praise. But there's only one that's worthy of praise, and that is Jesus Christ, who died in your place. That's the one that's worthy of praise. We need to be dwelling on that fact what Jesus Christ did for us so we could have a relationship with him forever in glory. I see this as the opposite of what most people do, though. We, we worry about the things of this world, the physical things that are going on around us, the circumstances that are surrounding us. Let me give you a good example. We've been talking about in grow groups, we've been talking about prayer. And I get the prayer request from pretty much every grow group every week. And you want me to tell you a sad thing? 90% or above of every one of the prayer requests that come through in all of those groups deal with physical things that are going on in this world. We've got so-and-so who is sick. We've got so-and-so who's getting ready to take a test, so let's pray for their test. We've got so-and-so who's got a job interview, and so let's be praying for that person. We've got so-and-so who is traveling, so let's be praying for him. You know how many prayer requests come in that so-and-so needs help in their growth, in having a quiet time with God, in sharing their faith with a friend or a neighbor that God would give me the right words to say? They are very few and far between. Let me tell you, I think there are a lot more people with spiritual sicknesses than there are with physical sicknesses. We need to be praying for one another in a spiritual way. Listen to how Paul prays for the church at Colossae. He says in verse one, in chapter one, verse nine, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glory and might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I didn't hear anything 
that was physical about the prayer that he prayed. It was all spiritual, that we have spiritual growth, that we have spiritual knowledge, that we live out and we have spiritual fruit produced in our lives. That's the prayer that he was praying. That's the prayer that we need to be praying for one another. We need to be growing and being more like Christ, putting our minds on the spiritual things rather than the physical, temporary things of this world. Now, I'm not saying that sickness and travel and and jobs and all of those things that we shouldn't be praying for them, but we need to add the spiritual aspects as well. We need to be thinking on the spiritual things. You know, I had a very good question asked by someone in my grow group. How come is it so easy to trust God with our eternal futures and not trust him in our day-to-day lives? My quick answer was this, because people don't live their lives thinking about their eternal futures. They only think about living in the present. Is that the way we live our lives? Are we only worried about the things that are going on around us? Are we worried about the time that we are going to be with Jesus Christ forever? On the day that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an answer for the hope that is within us? We need to be living lives in that manner. If we lived our lives more in that manner, I think we would have more of an eternal aspect. We'd be more more motivated to pray about spiritual things, to seek the things above, to set our minds on the things above, and most importantly, to be living out the eternal, rather than for today or for ourselves. And in verse 3, he tells us even more about that. Why should we be living more for the eternal rather than the temporary things of this world? Verse 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does it mean that we died? Look down to verse 5. He said, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly bodies as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Do you see, before we believed in Christ, we lived in these things. Sin had the power over us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 7, he goes on and says, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. What he's saying is that we died to sin. Sin no longer has the power over us that we have control of our bodies, that the Holy Spirit is the one who is to be controlling our lives and we are to be living for his honor and his glory rather than the things of this world, rather than the world, the flesh, and the devil that used to have control of us. We didn't have control. We didn't have the power to live for Christ before we put our faith in him. So we don't have to obey sin any longer. How did this happen? Because Jesus Christ died and rose again. And when Jesus Christ died and rose again, we died and rose again with him to a new life. That's what these verses are saying. That's what Romans chapter 6 is all about. We are no longer living in sin. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation that should be living like verses 9 and 10. It says, and since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge of the, according to the image of the one who created him. So what are we to do? We are to be renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. We're not who we used to be, so we shouldn't be living like it. Let's be renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. 
Romans 12, 2 tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, setting our mind on the things above so that we may prove what the will of God is. So that we may prove, so we may live out what the will of God is. If we're seeking the things above where Christ is, if we're setting our minds on the things above where Christ is, then our life will go in that direction. We will be like those whom we are with. We've got to get time to be in God's word so that we can know the word and the will of God and live it out in our lives. We need to treat him like someone who gave his life for you and me. But the question comes, why does it matter how I live here on this earth? Well, it matters because of what Jesus Christ did for you. He died so he could have a relationship with you. But we're also going to see in verse 4 that it matters because how we live on this earth is how we're going to be revealed and how we're going to live in the life to come. If I'm safe and secure in Christ, because in in verse 1 you said that we're raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. In verse 3 you said that my life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm safe and secure. I have eternal life no matter how I live. Then why does it matter how I live? It matters because we're going to have to stand before him and give an account of our lives before the one who died and rose again with us. Look with me at verse 4. It says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We're going to be revealed with him. One day Christ will return, we'll be revealed with him. We'll be revealed as the person we truly are. And that will be based on what we did for him in this life. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it tells us that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's not, man, I've got a good group around me right here, and so I'm going to be okay as we go together corporately to the judgment seat of Christ. I've got a great grow group who is around me, and whenever we go up there together, you know, it's going to be okay. No, each one of you individually is going to have to stand before your Savior and give an account of your life for the things that you have done, whether good or worthless. What are you doing with your time, your talents, your money, your efforts? Are you doing them and living out your life for the eternal? Or are you living out your life for what you have here and now? We're going to have to give an account. We don't want to be ashamed at his coming. We want to be someone who is so close to him that there's no big change on that day when Jesus calls our name. We want to be a person who is ruling and reigning with him forever rather than just a common, ordinary person. But it depends on how we're doing now, how we're living out our lives now. In Titus 2, it tells us to be living sensibly and righteously in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are to be living sensibly and righteously. We are to be living like we are positionally, experientially down here on this earth. Living sensibly and righteously in this present age, in the present age that we are living. We are to be living for His honor and His glory. 
We're to be a people who are zealous for good deeds, zealous to do good for the one who died and rose again for us, doing good for those who are around us, rather than nitpicking those who are around us and being in confrontation and in uh, trials with other people we are to understand that the people who are in this building, the people who are believers in Christ are gonna be with us for all eternity. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who are out there who do not know Christ as our Savior, we are to be zealous to do good deeds for them so that they can see Christ in our lives. We are to share Christ with them, how he died and rose again, how they can have eternal life by simply believing in the person of Jesus Christ. It is true, as I said, in verse three, our life is hidden with Christ. We are safe and secure. We have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ did for us. But how we are revealed will be based on our service, our works here and now. You see, where we spend all eternity is based on the person of Jesus Christ and our simple faith alone in Christ alone. But how we spend all eternity whether it's in a position of ruling and reigning with him or whether it's not, is based on us. It's based on how we live in this life. So don't wait for the new year. Don't wait for the new year to make a change. Don't wait for Christ to be revealed to make a change. The new life is ours. It's ours today. So let's live like it by making some application. Let's begin today seeking the things above where Christ is. Let's get into the word of God and see what the person of Christ is like. Let's get in the word of God in the book of Revelation and see what this place is that we're going. It's not just heaven that we're going, it's a new heavens and a new earth that we're gonna live out all eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, with Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us. Let's be seeking the person and the place where Christ is. Let's be setting our minds on the things above, the eternal things rather than the temporary things of this world. Let's set our minds on the spiritual aspects, on the eternal things. Let's change our prayer requests from all physical to let's put some spiritual things in there. Let's put some eternal things. Let's think about our eternal life. Let's think about an eternal relationship that we have right now with Jesus Christ. And finally, let's reveal Christ in our lives today so that when others see us, they see Christ in us. And so that when we are revealed with Christ, it'll be in a position of great rewards, in a position that is ruling and reigning with Him. So no more waiting for a new year. It's only two days away, but let's don't wait for the new year. No more waiting for the new you. You already have the new you. You already obtain eternal life an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have the new life. You have eternal life. You have a relationship that has begun. So no more living like you used to. No more staying the same. Let's get so close to him that there's no big change on that day when Jesus calls our name.